Today on the Cameron Journal podcast, we are joined by Mikey Weinstein from the Military Religious Freedom Foundation. We did a big article with MRFF for Rouge's Magazine when we were still open last year, and we've never had him with his own standalone hour-long segment on the podcast. We did kind of a short, brief news update on the weekly news podcast a couple months ago, but he's never had his own standalone segment. So that's what we're doing today. We're going to talk about Christian nationalism in the military and how he is fighting for the religious freedom of people in the military and also what the greater national security threat for Christian nationalism is sort of in brief. Um, the Rouge's article will be linked for further reading because it is an in-depth dive into this stuff that we did in October ahead of the election. So uh, welcome, uh, Mikey Weinstein and MRFF. We're going to dive into it. This is the Cameron Journal Podcast. Let's go. This is the Cameron Journal Podcast. It's a place where we talk about important things. It's a place where we bring a little slice of the news to you. It's a place where we do important things, have important conversations. It's also things that I like to talk about. My name is Cameron Cowan, and this is the Cameron Journal Podcast. Today on the Cameron Journal Podcast, we are once again having a conversation with Mikey Weinstein from the Military Religious Freedom Foundation. Um, The last time we spoke with him on the podcast, we did a quick half hour to talk about a very important victory they had with defending the religious rights of everybody in the United States military. And it was glommed onto a weekly news podcast that was very inconvenient. And so I thought I'd have him back on the show so we could talk about what the problem is, why we should be concerned about Christian nationalism in the military, and what some of their latest victories are. And they have had some very important victories as of late. And I also wanted to find out if things are better under the Biden administration, as opposed to the, um, I would say, Christian nationalist in favor of Trump administration. So welcome, Mikey, to the Cameron Journal podcast. How are you? Just fine, Cameron. Thank you. It's great to be back here again. Good, good, good. So I want to kind of start with those people who haven't been following this story with us. Um, I first came across this organization um, from a YouTube video last year, and we ended up doing a very long, very full feature on Rouge's magazine just before the election about MRFF and the Christian nationalist problem um, in society and the military. So Mikey, why don't you give us the five minute elevator pitch on what MRFF does, how you got involved, and why we all should be uh, giving you a lot more money to help defend liberal society. Well, um, yeah, I'd like to say liberal, uh, reasonable and rational society because uh, the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, uh, we, we are a uh, very um, aggressive and I would even say militant civil rights advocacy organization, but our militancy and aggression is in support of one of the most foundational freedoms we have in this country, which is the separation of spiritual and, you know, and non-spiritual um, church and state. Um, and um, we, we, we're actually 18 years, we're in the 18th year fighting this, the 16th year as a foundation, because for the first 22 months, my wife and I fought this ourselves. We had children at the Air Force Academy uh, that we found out were being um, facing a tremendous, uh, if you will, tidal wave or tsunami of um, anti-Semitism. 
Uh, we didn't know where this was coming from. I didn't even know what Christian nationalism was at the time. And uh, to make a long story shorter, uh, 22 months after we got into this fight, we began to realize that um, we don't even call it a problem issue or a challenge, Cameron. We call it a national security threat internally to our country, every bit as much as what we're facing externally by, you know, Al-Qaeda, um, uh, ISIS, the, uh, the, the Taliban, um, Boko Haram. You know, it, instead of extremist Islam, it's extremist Christianity. What is known as fundamentalist or dominionist Christianity, uh, which recently since the January 6th um, riots has been termed um, Christian nationalism. These are people that hate democracy. They, um, uh, that is um, uh, the, the most revolting thing in the world to them. What they want is a theocracy based on their, um, what we call weaponized version of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is quite digital. Either you satisfy them that you are Christian enough um, or they're going to um, oppress you in horrible, horrible ways. Um, this is terrible when you see it in state legislatures, Cameron, or with sewage workers or cops or firefighters or in public schools. But it's, it's way worse, uh, as I said, national security threat, not a problem issue or a challenge when we see this um, inextricably intertwined into the most technologically lethal organization ever created by our species, Homo sapiens, right, which is the US, United States military. Um, and um, the Pentagon, or as we call it, the Pentecostal gun. Well, this is a type of religion, when you, when you mix this with all of the nuclear weapons and conventional weapons and drones and laser-guided weapons, uh, it's pretty terrifying. So uh, we are heading into uh, uh, up to 74,000 clients to represent. We're in the 73,000s now. Uh, about 95% of our clients are, interestingly enough, Christian themselves. They're just being persecuted for, by their chain of command for not being, if you will, again, Christian enough. We have, uh, we have every possible faith, hundreds of Jews. We have more than 18% of all the Muslims in the military that we know of. You know, uh, Buddhist, Hindu, um, Baha'i, we have 12 members of the Church of the Jedi right out of Star Wars. We have 24 different varieties of Baptists that we represent. Um, of our 95% Christians, roughly one-fourth of that number would be Roman Catholic, the other three-fourths more traditional Protestants. We've had every religious faith that we've represented um, except for Scientology. I'm still waiting for that one, but that one hasn't come up yet. And uh, uh, it's a... Um, an extremely serious headshot to this country if we can't root out this, um, again, this weaponized version of Christianity um, and um, get it behind bars, uh, behind the wall that our Constitution built for separation of church and state. Yes, and that's, I think, one of the things that I was deeply concerned about um, early on when we first, when we had our first conversations, I think one of the questions I asked in a kind of very exasperated way, as I was still trying to get my mind around this, was this seems to be a very bipartisan problem. Um, it's um, it's something that I would anticipate Republicans would welcome and Democrats would resist being the less religious of the two of the two parties, but it appears based upon your experience, this is a bipartisan problem. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. This has marched forward regardless. So yeah, then that yeah. leads me to the question of, has the Biden administration done anything to make your job any easier? Well, let me put it, I mean, we're not politicians. Obviously, we're very happy that Biden's in as opposed to the, uh, the other. Am I allowed to cuss on this? Yes, you are. 
motherfucker, Trump, that yeah. piece of shit, uh, that cowardly, ignorant, um, entitled, uh, uh, you know, mentally ill four-year-old and any of the other sycophants, uh, you know, who um, uh, effusively uh, service him. Um, but we had, you know, we formed the foundation during the time of, uh, of George W. Bush. During the eight years of Obama, it was still terrible. Under Trump, it was off the scale. Biden's almost too new yet. We like what he stands for. We like the fact that he chose um, Secretary Lloyd Austin, uh, the first African-American to be the secretary, the first African-American Secretary of Defense, who stated just about two weeks ago that he wanted to be the lodestar of diversity and unity and respect for religion and race in the military. We are not seeing that yet. We hope we do, but we're not seeing it yet. When I, when I interface like I did today with the commander, I reminded them of what Secretary Austin said. You know, there, there's not just a new sheriff in town, there's a new army in town, new army of sheriffs. But um, years ago, we spent six figures on a uh, very well-heeled lobbyist, a female, to, to get attention mostly from Democrats, because we figured Republicans, for the obvious reasons, wouldn't do it. After a year, she fired herself and said, Mikey, they're not going to talk to you. They don't want to touch this. They're afraid of losing, they, meaning the Democrats, losing um, evangelical Christian money and evangelical Christian votes. And uh, so we have a saying here, it's a little bit sexist, but it says that under Republicans, man exploits man, but under Democrats, it's just the opposite. So you get the picture of what I'm talking about. And yes. um, it's, um, it's, it's just sickening. I testified, we've submitted testimony a number of times to, uh, to the US Congress. I've testified live between, before the House Armed Services Committee, only Republicans showed up and did their best to make it, you know, the, bat, you know, the shootout at the OK Corral we had one Damn. female congresswoman from Southern California who came to me afterwards and said, "I'm so I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I wanted more Democrats to come, but you know they, they, you know they were the people were afraid to show up, uh, and so um, we don't rely on politicians. We rely on our own advocacy. Um, if you view view the military as Superman, the only two um, weaknesses would you know like Superman has kryptonite for the military would be exposure in the media, like we're doing at this very moment." Uh, you're one of the best journalists I've, I've ever talked to. Excellent questions. And um, secondly, you know, suing them in, in federal court if necessary. And so um, the bottom line here for your, your listeners is Military Religious Freedom. That's the name of the foundation, Military Religious Freedom Foundation. We're on the web at, you know, obviously www.militaryreligiousfreedom.org. Uh, we are a 501c3 charity, but our job is, again, is to protect the separation of church and state where all the uh, mass, you know, weapons of mass destruction are. And it's a battle every single day. And I hope it's going to get better under Biden. We have not seen that yet. We have not seen it. Um, there are some um, DOD regulations that were passed by Trump that, have, uh, that are still very much in effect. I, I feel good about it. I obviously feel much better that having, uh, having him in than, uh, than Trump for all of the obvious reasons. You know, remember, we're facing a Republican Party that when they saw the insurrection on TV, or, you know, if they were there in person on January 6th, Cameron, they didn't see insurrectionists or terrorists or people storming the Capitol to overthrow, um, you know, the, uh, the electoral vote count. They saw highly motivated Republican donors and voters. That's what they saw. And that's why they say, boy, we, I want to keep that going into the midterms. And you, you see what's happening in this country. And I think we really have kind of a tripartite co uh, country now. The first part of the country are those people that oppose Trump and everything that he ever stood for. Remember, he's a you know he's a he's a cretin, but uh, he put out a, a frequency that resonated with with people that uh, 
uh, were white, straight, Christian, and male, and wanted to keep it that way for domination. The second part of the country are those like you and me who oppose the first part. Unfortunately, the third part of the country is the largest part, the largest swath. Uh, they are ambivalent. They don't care. They don't give a shit. They want to make sure they get their burger and hot dog at a ball game and a beer and make sure they can go bowling. They literally don't care. So um, this is what we're dealing with right now on this podcast uh, as we talk about it. And um, trying to get someone to go, you know, why should I care about whether our military um, is trying to use itself as a force multiplier to conquer the world and serve as an accelerant to bring weaponized you know, Jesus back here? Um, there's a, a million answers to that, but that could take hours upon hours. But the bottom line is not in this country. We did cleave a canyon, a chasm uh, between um, church and state and um, between spiritual and temporal. We did that. We looked in, at European history where most of the horrors, Cameron, that had occurred have been when men- Are because of religion, yeah. Yeah, men in, 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 uh, in political power. We looked at the Salem witch trials and we looked at- uh, uh, you know, at, uh, at Cromwell in England, that was enough right there. And so uh, we made it very clear. If you look at the founding, the framers, particularly Madison, the writings of Thomas Paine, and, and, and obviously Jefferson, all the others, we did not want this country to any stretch of imagination to elevate Christianity over any other type of religious faith or non-faith. Our military has, depending on which numbers you look at, between a fourth to a third um, that really claim no particular faith uh, whatsoever. Some of those would be Christians, some would be Jews and Muslims. The majority would be Christians, but nominal Christians. Uh, and they understand that um, um, your military superior is not your shift manager at Taco Bell or Starbucks. And there's a, you know, there's a completely different criminal code, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And if you show disrespect to a superior, that could be a felony. In the military, adultery is still routinely charged as a felony. If you if you don't go to the base dentist or you know don't go to your doctor's appointment on base at 2 p.m. or 1400 hours, that is a felony. And why is that? Because the Supreme Court has determined that the compelling governmental interest for our U.S. military is to maximize good order, morale, discipline, and unit cohesion. Now, not it's not even ironic, but uh, Christian nationalism is the antithesis of that. It um, is a rapidly spreading at light speed cancer to good order, morale, discipline, and especially unit cohesion. Uh, it's so closely um, you know, allied with, uh, with racism, white supremacy, misogyny, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, transphobia, homophobia, and certainly a hatred of our constitution. So um, we deal with this all the time and it's a violent, brutal fight. We get a lot of threats here. I know, and, 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 you know, and I, I always know when I'm coming up to an interview with you, because I start getting emails of the threats that get sent in. Yes. Um, that's like, I can tell I'm top of his brain because I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting the emails from angry weird people. And the, the comments are, are vitriolic. Um, and the things that write in are incredibly, um, incredibly violent, incredibly personal. Um, one of the things that I still... I guess don't fully understand. And one of the things that I think people will find interesting is I still don't, I still do not fully understand why these people, these Christian nationalists 
um, are so focused on trying, I mean, it used to be they were trying to take over society. Like we remember Nixon and the great silent majority and Reagan with his city on a hill and all this type of thing. At what point did they decide to give up on society and take over the military instead? That is a great typical um, Cameron Cowan question. There are probably a plethora of appropriate answers, but certainly we can look at 9-11. Um, when 9-11 happened, I mean, we still haven't gotten over that. I mean, bin Laden did a number on this country. And this was viewed both uh, by the people we fight and others as perhaps some sort of biblical reckoning as a war between extremist Islam and our version of, you know, their version of Christian nationalism. Um, you know, the, the Aryan nations have used, the, you know, the, uh, the version of, of uh, white Christian nationalism for years, you know, uh, the area, I mean, you know, it's called uh, identity, Christian identity. And I think watching those twin towers plunge and that plane plow into the Pentagon and the other one crash into the field in Pennsylvania uh, made people realize that this is our, some people, this is our moment and we need to seize upon this now. When people are afraid and confused, it's the best time, you know, to try to introduce them to the gospel. If you watch our 16-minute shocking video, which maybe you have, you'll see an actual military chaplain at U.S. Army Ranger School saying we'd love to get them when they're deprived of sleep and cold and hungry because they're really open. They're open to the gospel at this point. That's a horrible, horrible thing to say. It's just incredibly horrible. We have a, you know, remember, we have um, very well-paid, thousands of very well-paid chaplains in this U.S. military. They are supposed to be like Father Mulcahy from MASH, for your audience that remembers that, you know, kind of the universal blood donor. But they're not. The vast majority of them see their jobs as a mission field. And it's fertile and fecund to grab with, and what they say in this video is, you know, black bananas or overly ripe bananas to get them to come in for Jesus. Uh, it's, um, it's, you know, it's beyond terrifying. Today, we just, we, we took on a commander um, um, whose chaplain put a, uh, statement out on their on the on this uh, army marine website making it clear that um you know th that the only way to salvation is through jesus these are this is on an official army website you may be asking what's the big deal well that's what chaplains do yeah on sundays from their pulpit but not on a massive computer system that you know for a, a secular nation and a secular military how dare you sit there and claim there's only one way which is john 14 6 and jesus says i'm the only way truth and life and no one gets to my daddy who, by the way, is also me, unless you come through me. Um, but you may have seen, uh, we had a victory just a, a few weeks ago. Uh, two Jewish members of the military were being just uh, terrorized by their military superior, who stated that he was a born-again Christian and that he never had any of you people uh, to be, you know, to, to work for him before his subordinates, and that he wanted to get into their heads, because the more he could understand them, the more he would understand his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he would ask them things like, why are you all so good with move, uh, with money? Why do you wear those little beanies on your head? This in front of everybody else in the military organization. Um, why did you kill Jesus? Because he was one of you. And then the big one, of course, was uh, I'd like the two of you to take me on a personally guided tour of Auschwitz. Um, this particular officer also held a weekly Bible study during the duty day in uniforms, you know, in a conference room in the, in the headquarters building where he would bring hot dogs uh, to those who attended, most of whom were his subordinates. He said to our two Jewish clients, I'll bring bagel dogs for the chosen people if you show up. That was it. We went to, we never go to his boss. We go to his boss's boss. We got that guy canned and fired uh, and his Bible study canceled. But um, as you might imagine, 
how many other people saw this and you know and and did nothing literally sat on the sidelines was they were completely cognizant completely aware and therefore completely complicit but they came to they came to us because we provide our clients for your podcast listeners um aarp you know anonymity action results and protection so um that was a nice win over uh, a month after easter we had a number of complaints from um uh personnel in the washington dc area because another chaplain had put out a statement saying that the jews he said you all killed jesus now say you're sorry he actually said that say you're sorry for killing our lord and savior and, and, and again, I just, and, and we, we come to this, every time we talk, we come to this point when I am just kind of like, like, and listener disclosure, I grew up evangelical. When I did the article for Rouges, I wrote a huge fat paragraph saying, I understand this mentality. I grew up with it. I get it. I understand it. I grok it. So the question I'm about to ask is not out of ignorance. It's out of moral outrage. And the question is, who are these people? And why are they in charge of anything? You know, uh, Cameron, it's not like they're a fringe element. There are somewhere north of about three, 30, well, 30 to 36 different parachurch organizations that run pell-mell through the US military. Some of them you've heard of, like Campus Crusade for Christ Military Ministries the Navigators, the Officers Christian Fellowship, the uh, non-commissioned officers version of that, the Christian Military Fellowship. Uh, I can go on and on. And um, they are given uh, succor and safety and encouraged uh, on military installations. They've been with our, our combat units in, our, in Iraq and Afghanistan. And their job, again, is to get as many people into the kingdom as possible. It's called, of course, as you know, the Great Commission of Mark 16, 15 and Matthew 28, 19. One of the last things Jesus is supposed to have said to his disciples, which is, go and make disciples of all nations. It's a command. Um, we have no trouble with just straight evangelicals. We have many of them on our staff. They donate to us, their clients, because they realize that to follow the Great Commission, they must also follow the time, place, and manner requirements, because we're in America, of our Constitution, specifically the No Establishment Clause of the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights of the U.S. Constitution, a slew of construing federal case law on the same thing, and a vast number of uh, Pentagon directives, instructions, and regulations. If you well, do one that, of the first things I asked you when we did the article for Rouge is, is I said, why haven't you just taken this to the Supreme Court? This is clearly establishment. I mean, this is, yes, it's sir. so obvious this is an establishment case. And even with Kavanaugh and Barrett on the court, they could not preserve, and they could not preserve the establishment clause by not ruling in your favor. Like, well, this seems like a be, slam dunk. Like, this we, is establishment. We'd like to think that. We'd on. like to think it. But with this court, I would never say that. And there's two other reasons. The first is you're not allowed in the military to, to sue in federal court until you have allowed the military you have to let them exhaust their administrative remedies, which means that our, we need plaintiffs. The plaintiffs, the sailors, soldiers, Marines, and airmen, guardians, as they're called, the Space Force, Coast Guardsmen, uh, although they're not DOD, they're Department of Homeland Security now. Um, they have to file EEO and Inspector General complaints. That can take months. And although they say they will protect your identity, you, they never do. You'd be surprised at the number of equal employment opportunity, EEO personnel and Inspector General, IG personnel that are clients of MRFF, uh, the, you know themselves. So that may, you, you get yourself outed, and you. I think I used this analogy with you before. Um, 
our clients feel like they are tarantulas on wedding cakes. And Cameron, you and I have been to weddings. Tarantulas yes. on wedding cakes, well, they don't last very long. No, and, they do uh, not. <laughs> and I also gave you the stat that I think statistically, Hitler had something like 7.9% hardcore folks in his National Socialist Movement. Stalin had 2.8, in his Communist Movement. And look what they did. In our US, US military today, it's our best estimate that somewhere in the high 20 percentile, low 30 percentile of individual service members either uh, you know, are, are all in for Christian nationalism, dominionism, fundamentalism, or are quite sympathetic to it. You must also remember the military is vertically encrusted. It's a tribal, adversarial, communal, and ritualistic environment that most civilians have no idea about. But when you graduate from a military academy, like Annapolis, West Point, or my, where four of my kids went, where I graduated, the Air Force Academy, in Colorado Springs, Colorado, or you go through ROTC or OTS or OCS or some other officer ascend, uh, you know, ascension program, when you graduate as a second lieutenant or an ensign in the Navy or, uh, or, uh, or Coast Guard, on that day, Cameron, you already outrank 90% of the military because you're an officer. So um, this is a, it's an, ex I, I used the term before, if you're even being gently evangelized by your military superior, you know, get the F out of my face, sir or ma'am, is not an option for you. So they come to us and we do it aggressively and militantly because it's the only thing they'll understand. We do it ethically and morally, but like when I called this, uh, this, uh, this commander's uh, today about what was happening about um, this uh, proselytizing sermon on an official military website, I mean, think of what a bonanza that is for our fundamentalist Islamic enemies. It's really hard not to say that this is not Jesus versus Muhammad and that um, this is all about that. It's, um, it's really very, very, very hard not to. And so uh, these people are not a fringe element. They are, um, uh, it's a very large percentage in a very stratified, strict, um, um, vertically encrusted environment, the military. Well, so and that's also, I mean, and we also recall the, the Jesus rifles scandal. Jesus um, nukes. Yes, the Jesus nuke scandal, um, where like they were literally using like religious propaganda to train nuclear officers and all this type of thing. Nuclear missile launch officers, sixty-eight of them. Yes, um, and uh, and so that presentation was standard operating procedure for like twenty years. Like it, it was wasn't actually, a like yeah, a one-off thing. Yes, like yeah, right, like, not this all, went no, on I mean, for decades. I lived <laughs> in Vandenberg. I went to high school at Vandenberg Air Force Base on the central coast of California, not far from Santa Barbara, and that's where they train them. And um, the Air Force copped to 20 years. We know it, we know it had been around for a generation, 25 years. Yeah. That's a long-ass time to be making it clear that Jesus is – and then, you know, when you look at the PowerPoint, it's Warner von Braun, a, a Waffen-SS officer who talked about how the Nazis wanted to bring their special rocket technology to a Bible-based society after World War II. And that's why they didn't go to Russia. They came here. And so this is supposed to make us feel better. I mean, he used – it's doc, it's it's, it's – to a mathematical certainty, you know, he used, um, um, uh, you know, Jewish uh, um, prisoners uh, for, you know, as forced labor in his, uh, you know, in his, in his rocket manufacturing facility. So, yeah. um, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard pill to swallow. Like, it's hard to understand that in America, this country, in many respects, was built on um, the, extinct, the purposeful extinction or genocide of Native Americans and with slavery from Africa. You know, we have to come to terms with this. With there go the 1619 project that the Republicans hate so much because it's saying we're bad people. 
we deal with that. We're racist. We're bad. We don't need to sit back and look where we came from before. And that's when you end up with people like Rick Santorum saying, well, Native Americans, yeah, they were here, but they haven't contributed much to our culture. You know, what a freaking idiot. What an amazing, and another fundamentalist Christian nationalist. And, uh, you know, Trump wasn't one of those. And again, he's not a very bright person, but, but he realized that he could certainly use these idiots uh, to further his cause, which is nothing more than the top 100 things for Trump are, are Trump. And um, people thought that, after, you know, that uh, there'd be a full, this full-throated response. Yes, it was a, technically very much a landslide with the popular vote and the electoral vote, but with the stop the steal and with a huge percentage of, of members of Congress and, uh, and the Republican Party and white evangelicals that believe that the election was stolen, um, I mean, if today's Tuesday and you tell people, uh, they tell you, no, it's Saturday, Saturday, and you say, no, it's not, and you show them, you know, calendars going back to the Gregorian calendar, um, the more you present them with obvious incontrovertible evidence, there are studies that will show you that when true believers believe something, if you show them the, most str the strongest evidence possible to counter their views, it actually reinforces their, their bad beliefs. This is what we're dealing with with Homo sapiens. Remember, Cameron, Homo sapiens, we are a very new species on this planet, which is billions of years old. And civilization itself is far newer than that. Maybe a couple, maybe 3,000 years old, maybe. Agri agriculture started 10,000 years ago. Major yeah. cities and development started a little while after that. Like, I mean, as in the history of the, of even just this planet, much less the universe, even as of this planet, we just got here earlier today, not even yesterday. Correct. We arrived earlier today. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we were just off the plane and, and, uh, you know, people- And I keep telling know. people part of the problem with humanity is our brains were programmed a hundred thousand years ago and the devs left and there's been no updates ever since then. <laughs> so like when you have, when you have to think about human psychology, you have to think about it in terms of what would a, a human being a hundred thousand years ago do? Because yeah. that's what everybody's offering operating off of no you're, you're, and, you're yeah, and, and you can sit down and, and do your very best to um explain that uh everybody counts none of us win unless all of us win these things are anathema to the people that we're fighting who believe that you know that that the color of your skin um your uh, sexual orientation uh your gender and um um these kind of things are the most important things in determining whether you should be and enjoy um, the full bounty of American citizenship. And that's what this comes down to. And uh, uh, I, I wish I could say I'm surprised, but every day we see, we see more stuff here. Um, uh, we do have to, you know, we, it, it's, it's, a, it's hard because we have to live with, as I mentioned, um, attack trained dogs that are, you know, talk about a hundred thousand years ago, they, you know, they're, they're fabulous. You can't replace them. But uh, that's not an easy thing to keep peace in the kingdom there. A lot of guns, um, a lot of, I mean, you know, they're, they're always nearby and they're all over the house with our own private security and our, we work very closely with our local law enforcement. And we never know um, what's going to happen with that. I mean, we get enough threats. Uh, perhaps you're familiar, uh, Cameron, with what a fatwa is in Islam. Are you familiar with that? Yes, of course. Uh, basically, it's a call in mafia terms. To, it's a call for a hit on someone else. Uh, Salman Rushdie had one put on him by the entire yes. country of Iran. In fundamentalist or Christian nationalism, it's called an imprecatory prayer. It's a prayer where you are basically praying to Jesus to go, um, be you know, kill somebody or maim them. 
we get those all the time, you know, and particularly when they're sitting there and they're quoting um, um, particular provisions out like John 3.36, which says that those who believe in the Son of God will have eternal life and those who don't will have the wrath of the Lord on them forever. It doesn't indicate, well, what if you were raised in a different way or, you know, and, and you, you have no familiarity with Christianity or for that matter, you, you have had a very huge significant uh, affiliation like you did, but you sat back saying, you know, this is not working for me. I'm not buying this. And so um, I always have the same response. I get evangelized when I wake up every morning. There's usually about a dozen to 15 evangelizing messages from almost all of the, the top um, Christian organizations that you can imagine in this country. I've got individuals that I give them, they say, can we just keep, you know, they send me texts and they, you know, they always pull out a particular uh, citation from the New Testament. And I just respond saying the same thing. Where is little Anne Frank and the 6 million who are slaughtered in the Holocaust? I can pick anything, but that's convenient. Right. Explain to me that Anne Frank is not burning eternally in the fires of hell and the other 6 million, you know, and, and, and it's a real, it's a real tough room for them to handle. They can, they usually come back. The cop out is, well, we don't know their heart. You know, only, only, the, only Jesus does it. No, that's not what the, that's not what your playbook says. Your playbook says you must bend the knee and confess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And that's a very personal thing. And that's great. You know, half my family is Christian. Most of our staff are Christian. That isn't the point. The point is when somebody who totally controls your life and our country's military tells you that's what you have to do uh, because they can completely screw your life up. They control every part of it. And as I said before, that's why you are completely and totally helpless as a military subordinate against the superior. And um, it's very hard to go to court. It's the, the system is made that way, but they can't stand being exposed in the media. And we do that a lot. Uh, we do it a tremendous amount. And that, that, that gets them embarrassed. And so, um, you know, that's uh, this latest uh, guy, this uh, Lohmeyer, um, Lieutenant Colonel who... Uh, uh, wrote a book about how Marx is taking over the Department of Defense. Obviously, he's a, a, one of these radical fundamentalist Christians. He's actually in an offshoot of a, of a LDF. Uh, but, but again, this is the insanity. Like, Mar everyone's like, oh, the Antifa Marxists are taking over American cities. I'm like, you obviously have never read a word anything Karl Marx ever wrote because the, I immediately, I do this on Twitter all the time. I'm like, please show me where any Antifa people have taken over the means of production and collectivized yes. anything for the people. That's communism. I, I want to know where Antifa's headquarters are. I want to see if they have business cards. We did, we're, we're, we are big supporters here at MRFF of BLM, Black Lives Matter. Yes. We did a, a joint rally with them in Walla Walla, Washington against a police officer, a former Marine sniper who had, you know, um, a, SWA, uh, a German um, symbology on his right forearm. And, yes. you know, and he, he then claimed he was going to change it. We, I don't think he's changed it yet. But we did that, and we are constantly, we're, we're um, prosecuting a person out here who threatened my wife and myself via text one night, someone we, we had hired to help around the house who did, you know, quickly did research, found out who we are. It's the, another one of the benefits of being a public figure. And uh, in most states, including New Mexico, it's a crime to use a phone to threaten, harass, or intimidate, uh, or terrorize. And so um, um, this guy uh, just turned down a plea bargain, and we're going to court in, in a few months uh, on this individual. And so it's, it's you know, you, it, it's a, it is a very, very tough fight. 
Um, you can, you know, people can but talk that's, about. But that's what I don't understand. It's like it's like oh, these people throw around these terms, but they don't fully understand oh, what they this mean. Guy, this guy, like, this guy. How would mean. the military yeah. become Marxist? Like, how right, would right. that work? Like, there's well, no production to organize. Like, are we going to start running the military by committee? I mean, it kind of already is ran by committee. Like, and maybe that's what he's talking about. But it's like these terms get thrown well, around. With, with that, the person we're prosecuting things. called us yeah. part of Antifa. Uh, people claim that we are uh, we are um, recipients of tons of money from George Soros. You know, we yeah. never talked to anybody in this organization. Not that we didn't try years ago, but nobody ever got back. You know, uh, we. Uh, no, I, I get the same thing. Like, are, oh, are, you're are just veterans. a part of Antifa. I'm like, I haven't been. I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's not been a Zoom call. Like, how am I a part of something no one's ever contacted me? And George Soros has never written me a check. People like, oh, you're part of the George Soros liberal media. I'm like, can George Soros please pay some of my bills? Because running this shit is expensive. If you believe that BLM and Antifa activists, you know, dressed up like Trump supporters, I saw this on the internet the other night. Yeah. To overflow, to overthrow an election they had already won. Yes, you know, that, that that is stupider than thinking that Trump won in a landslide with the popular vote and and, and from an electoral uh, perspective. It's just it was sometimes you see these memes on the internet. You know, in other words, these these riots yeah. all dress. They actually were Antifa and BLM dressing up to try to overturn the election that they won. The results of which they were happy with. So it's it, it is. I know. It's, it's, it's like okay, so they're they're Black Lives Matter protesters, but there's there's only one problem with this. Look at the crowd. There was not yeah. a single person of color. There wasn't even light-skinned Hispanics. Like there was like there's no people of color in that crowd. It was literally all like white European people. So it, this is literally it, the widest Black Lives Matter protest in the history of the country. Like, right. and again, these things don't make any sense. And one of the things I still don't fully understand in all the conversations we've had is where does this stuff come from? Well, again, it starts initially with their, you know, with the playbook, the New, the New Testament. Um, the New Testament, uh, or as it's called, the terrible texts by the famous Episcopal bishop, uh, um, John Shelby Spong, <laughs> has some really bad stuff in it. Um, um, you know, if you look at John 8.44, Jesus just does say, yeah, he's speaking to the Pharisees or the Sadducees, but it basically uh, you are the um, offspring of your father, Satan, who was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. I get that one thrown at me a lot because I'm, I'm Jewish. If I wasn't a lawyer and didn't have a Jewish last name, um, if I was a journalist or an artist or something like that, my last name was, um, you know, was um, Cowan, like my, uh, my late uh, uh, former um, CPA, I don't think I would catch half the crap that we, or 90% of the crap that we get. But there is a, if you rub too much below the skin of any American, you will find a lot of hatred of the other there. Hatred of women, hatred of, of LGBTQ, hatred of Muslims, hatred of Jews, hatred of our Constitution. Um, look, the idea is is that the reason this person thought things were getting becoming uh, that Marxism was here is because the push for diversity, uh, the focus on history, to look back at uh, that this nation was really founded in 1619. You know, when when slave owners brought slaves here, you know, to Virginia. Um, they don't like hearing that stuff. The same thing that Santorum said. Hey, we 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 built this country ourselves. There might have been, no. some you know, it's just, it, it, is, it is the worst. I almost think like I'm living in a, um, in a computer simulation, which some people think we are doing anyway. Uh, it's just, and, and but uh, we've all had this happen, Cameron. I'm sure you have also. You've had previously close friends and or family that you've had to cut relationships back, uh, back or just ended them 
because they were supporting this crap. I can't, I have too many people like this in my professional life. I cannot have it in my personal life. I can't do that. Yeah, and that's I think just what boggles the mind so much. I I recently watched an Adam Curtis documentary from the BBC and he was talking about, he described neoconservatism and fundamentalist Islam as twin nightmares that basically started in different environments and basically started fighting each other. And as I was watching, and it's it's a, it was a t- series, so it's three hours long to watch it all together. And I, the thing that really kind of shocked me is how it seems to me that the rest of us have gotten caught in what's essentially a religious war between extremely Christian conservative people that are not moderate and give no quarter and extremely fundamentalist Islam people that are the same. And I'm kind of like, maybe we just need to give them their own country. Like, can we move them somewhere? Like somebody volunteer somewhere. Like, can we just get rid of them somewhere? And then the rest of the like moderate Islam can go do its thing and the secular West can go do its thing and they can just shoot at each other in a desert somewhere. Like maybe we should just give them Arizona. Like maybe we should just take the L and just give them Arizona well, you and left then let out, them uh, stay there. You left out fundamentalist or extremely orthodox Judaism. I mean, look what's happening in Palestine, you know, the West Bank, Gaza, and with the Israelis right now. Um, when you find this same, uh, you know, you find a lot of these same types of hatred in extremely orthodox, uh, like Lubavitcher uh, Judaism. Uh, I'm Jewish, but I'm not very religious at all. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, uh, um, I'm. Uh, I'm happy with the ethnicity and the culture and all that. I just don't buy into the theology. There are many people that are just like me, many people in this country, the largest growing percentage of Americans. I mean, you know, religion is way down, but uh, secularism, human, um, um, uh, you know, agnosticism, atheism, uh, uh, humanism and secular humanism, things like this, these, these, these things are growing rapidly, but will they grow rapidly enough? And when you've got um, a, a, uh, uh, it's, it's basically seems to be stemming from the Abrahamic faiths. Um, Judaism and Islam, yes, but they don't control our military. The Christians do. So when you're talking about the, extre- uh, the extreme fundamentalist aspect of that spectrum, it's the fundamentalist Christianity aspect that, is, that permeates, that um, is into the very fabric of the DNA of our military, uh, our armed forces, our Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Space Force, and Coast Guard. And it's... Um, um, it's almost as if we became suddenly discovered after January 6th. Remember, we were talking about numbers. You were talking about the way those people looked on that day. About one in five of them have a very strong military connection, either active duty, reserve, guard, or veterans. And people came to me going, why? I go, well, where have you been for the last 18 years that we've been fighting this? What do you mean, why? And uh, again, if people go to our website and look at the, uh, you can go into the search uh, engine on the website and just look for um, shocking videos. And you, you know, it's 16 minutes to watch it. We've put it together over the years. It's incontrovertible what you look at there. And that's going on around the clock. And even with, um, with the, um, the new administration, the change in administration, you know, I mean, I was a big Obama supporter, but things were very tough. He didn't get rid of his faith-based office in the White House. And, um, you know, uh, I mean, Roe, Roe versus Wade is actually in trouble. And um, I do not think these, these things appear to be a slam dunk, but with, between Kavanaugh and the other justices that are up there, I mean, we really miss people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, this is going to be very, very hard uh, to, uh, um, you know, and it's not just even them. It's the several hundred federal judges Trump put in place. 
Many no, that's that's what people. No, when, when people come along, no, when people come along and say, "Oh, well, Trump didn't really have a chance to do anything that bad." I'm like, 221 justices will right. be shaping American law and legislation for 25 to 30 years. Oh yeah, we will and, be and, living and under the shadow of Trump right. until I'm retirement age. That's a long yeah. time. Like, no, I, I, I believe me, that's exactly right. I, my wife and I have always said we never vote for a president; we vote for the Supreme Court and the federal judiciary. Because you know they don't—they're not just there for two years, like a member of Congress, or six years for a. No, you're stuck Supreme with them president. for decades. They're the, they, those are lifetime appointments, you know, and they're there yes. for a very, very, very long time, and um, it's uh, uh, it's it's a very tough thing. People ask, uh, you know, I was at a party this weekend, you know, my first one since COVID. Um, a number of people I think recognize me, uh, which is always very freaky because you never expect that's going to happen, but. But as I've told you before, if you're a professional athlete or entertainer, being a public figure can be cool, really totally cool. If you do what I do and you're a public figure, it's lonely, dangerous, brutal, and expensive. And so uh, people ask, well, why would you do this? I mean, isn't there something more fun you could do? Or why don't you retire and just you know, move to a beach somewhere or something? Um, the last thing you know, I, I, I'm going to talk about, I mean, is that to be someone that stands by and watches something that is terribly wrong and hurtful completely makes you complicit in that. And uh, I can't, I'm not built that way. Other people, I guess, are, and that's fine. I cannot look at this. I'm aware of how serious it is, how it involves our nuclear weapons, how it involves in a sense of we need to help. Jesus is having trouble coming back. We need to serve, do things that will serve as an accelerant or lubricant with our U.S. military as the ultimate force multiplier, I, as I keep mentioning, to hasten the time that Jesus will come back. And in many of these Christian nationalist uh, theologies, I think you and I talked about this before, the river, they're guaranteed a 200-mile-long river, four and a half feet deep, filled with nothing but the blood of those that Christ has slaughtered at the Battle of Armageddon. Now, it just happens to be that a large number of the people that are slaughtered there are going to be Jews that refuse to bend the knee and confess him as their Lord and Savior. That's a pretty big graphic to think about. 200-mile-long river, four and a half feet uh, you know, deep with nothing but blood. And they want to, uh, um, you know, G former General Jerry Boykin, now the number two person at the Family Research Council under the great Tony Perkins in Washington, D.C., has said that when Jesus comes back, he'll be carrying an AR-15, assault rifle 15. And we did a caricature of that. We had our, our uh, media folks do that. But, but um, it's, uh, as I tell people, um, on the pitch side, we do not run on chocolate sauce and bananas. We actually need help. And if you donate to us, you get the benefit of doing the right thing, because we're the only people that focus with laser-like precision on the military doing this. The ACLU is great, but they are, of course, they have a very gigantic wide field, and they do not understand the pe peculiarities of the military. Americans United, very close. Uh, these are all wonderful organizations. But these are organizations that come to us, Freedom from Religion Foundation, other uh, wonderful organizations. But we have the expertise for the military and the military has the keys and the buttons to push the nukes and the nukes can end this world, which is what a lot of the Christian nationalists want. Let's get this thing over with to bring Jesus back. And um, so if you donate to us, you get a full tax deduction, which I think is still meaningful to people and you're doing the right thing. Um, we think our track record kind of speaks for itself. Uh, we do have seven Nobel Peace Prize nominations. The last four have come from a prior winner of the Peace Prize is on our advisory board. And uh, um, I could go on and on, but ultimately, uh, as some of our biggest donors say,
they like donating to us because they get to see the results just like you do Kevin you're on a list when we go we, we try to try to fix problems in seconds and minutes um, if anybody calls they never get a voicemail they're going to get a live person and most of the time me my number 505-250-7727 call it I'll answer the phone myself and uh, we hide in plain sight 505-250-7727 and we are here to help and we do help and we help very 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 hard with hammer and tongs and we, we go public if our clients let us go public many of them don't want that out there but they like the fact that we can um, come in and I've used the example of uh, the insect example before I think with you Cam uh, I think I have camera when you when you go on a picnic and there's a few flies around you don't even notice it because flies are a bit an integral part of, of picnics on a nice sunny day somewhere as we're turning into good weather this time of the year if however the sun darkens because a giant wave after wave of hornets wasps and bees are coming your way you're going to get the hell out of there and run quickly that those wasps and bees and hornets the giant hordes that's mrff that's how we're built um and um we uh we never roll in unless we we fully believe our clients and we've we've polygraphed a whole bunch of them we've never had anybody fail we've had some refuse the polygraph in which case we don't represent them um but that doesn't happen very often but it's um it's just uh you know, it's stunning to find out. Um, we had a situation uh, where a uh, male member of the military assaulted a junior ranking female member of the military in his unit. Uh, he, he struck her in front of a bunch of others in uniform during the duty day, claiming that she um, was disrespecting his religious faith. And uh, of course, he was a here to, heretofore a, uh, uh, a paragon of fundamentalist Christian, you know, perfection married to the perfect uh, uh, mate who's also a fundamentalist Christian. They had five children. And um, um, so there you go. We got him. He, he's in jail. But this stuff doesn't always, it's not always very cut and dry. When you try to propagate, as you know, the Great Commission, trying to sell your religious faith and get everybody into the kingdom around the world, a lot of that can be very nuanced. In the military, it doesn't have to be that nuanced because you've got rank on someone's shoulders. And he or she has power over a subordinate. The, 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 the dynamic is like Jerry Sandusky at Penn State and that little nine-year-old kid in the, in the shower at the athletic facility. You, can, you, you cannot fight back, but we can, and we do. And um, um, if you go to the website, I think you'll see plenty of stuff that's there. And uh, I, I enjoy these. Uh, I think this is the third time we've done an interview. Um, the questions are always incisive. They're on point. And I'm hoping that folks can follow this podcast and be willing to you know, go to militaryreligiousfreedom.org. Uh, you'll see how to donate if you want to help. Get the tax deduction, help us fight the bad guys. Yeah, I mean, it, <clears throat> this is the third time we've spoken, and it has it become, it, it has become so obvious to me how important this is. And it's become, it's become really obvious to me how this dynamic between the dangerous fundamental portions of Islam and the dangerous fundamental portions of Christianity are really clashing right now. And moderate parts of Islam and moderate everybody else and secular everybody else in Christian societies are caught basically in, in another religious war. Like yes. we're caught in the middle of another religious war and you are desperately trying to fight it at an institutional level within the military. And, and the sad thing is that's only one angle. Like that's yeah. only one front 
of this multi-fronted war. Oh, it's, it's absolutely you know, it's, I mean, frightening. We had a report just the other day from um, clients overseas uh, whose children uh, were at some sort of, uh, uh, the, the children were having some sort of festival on base for non-believers, um, whatever they were called. And they, as they walked away, they were uh, um, surrounded by uh, another one of these fundamentalist Christian organizations called uh, Club Beyond and proselytized mercilessly as they tried to walk away, you know, exercising their own right to, to assemble and get together on a military base. On another military base, um, a big one, uh, we had a retiree or, uh, you know, drive his uh, Trump-looking vehicle with the big four-foot wheels and the big flags on it uh, up to the, the, post, the, the base exchange. And uh, the big flag simply said, impeach Biden on a military base. He's the commander-in-chief. Impeach Biden and keep America great again. You know, so um, uh, these are the kinds of reports that we get. And of course, uh, there's something we litigators or anybody who's tried a case we talk about called the 13th stroke theory. And I'm not sure if we've, uh, if we've actually talked about that or not, but it's like the 13th stroke of a crazy clock that cast out not only upon that hour, but indeed all that preceded. So if you're seeing this stuff happening, you know, right. you, really, you really have to ask Cameron, what else is going on? You know, because it's, it's, you know, if you, if you see one or two termites on a windowsill in your house, the chances that you don't have millions of other termites there are exactly zero. Well, and that's, I think that's the difficulty is ever since I accidentally discovered this world and have kind of learned more about it. And I have like, now it's one of the things like when you're aware of something, you start seeing it places and all this sort of thing. The danger from this is very high and very dangerous things could start to happen and into some degree have done, but even more dangerous things can start to happen that would really begin to affect everybody's lives. And I think the, the hardest part, and we always come to this point, is it doesn't seem like there's any real way to stop it. I feel like we're on a train that's careening out of control and there's no way to there's no way to stop the train and there's no way to get off of it. You know, if if our <laughs> I would say it all the time that if our military would start court-martialing people that use their religion as a bludgeon and their and, and their military rank to an insuperable advantage to terrorize a subordinate, court-martial them and throw them in jail, it would it would begin to make a difference. But the military also has a horrible sexual assault and rape program, which fits yes. in with Christian nationalism because remember. The mothership is Christian nationalism. Fundamentalist dominion is Christianity. And the subordinate parts of that, I wrote an op-ed about this about a month ago, um, are the things, misogyny, you know, homophobia, transphobia, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, hatred of the Constitution. It all feeds it. White supremacy, racism. These are all parts of the very same mothership. So um, it's, it's going to be a, uh, a difficult task to stop it. I mean, we've had prior great awakenings in this country. There are those that think we're going through one right now, which is pretty damn scary. One of my closest is. friends is on our advisory board, Larry Wilkerson, the former, uh, who's on our advisory board, for the former chief of staff to Secretary of State Colin Powell. Uh, Larry's a retired, uh, uh, you know, 30-year Army veteran himself, full colonel, and he teaches public policy, government and public policy at the College of William and Mary. And so uh, he frequently writes for us and he replaced Glenn Doherty on our advisory board. Glenn was one of the two Navy SEALs, former Navy SEALs, killed in the attack on Benghazi. 
And he was the one that made me realize that the closer you get to drawing blood, the closer you get to the, the point of the spear in the military, the more Christian nationalism you see. Uh, the Green Berets, the Navy SEALs like he was, the Air yeah. Force parachute jumpers, uh, the Marine Corps Raiders, um, uh, Delta Force, uh, other kinds of spec ops in the military. So it's, um, it's very, very, very difficult uh, to... Uh, to deal with this. And um, uh, people sometimes use the term whack-a-mole. I don't agree with that. Um, it's more like sometimes a weed whacker, but at least we're, we're knocking the weeds back. They grow back two weeks later, but we're, we're here fighting and people know who we are. When we call in, it's very rare when uh, we, I talk to someone that when they don't know who we are, they, it's like the old 60 minutes thing. You didn't want 60 minutes showing up on your doorstep if you were a bad guy. Um, yeah. So, um, um, but as I said before, we're not a line item in the government budget. You know, we need help. And if anyone listening to this podcast, there's no amount that's ever too small. Um, if, you, if you're saying, okay, I want to help. If you don't, that's fine. Turn the channel, go someplace else. But if you want to help, go to militaryreligiousfreedom.org. That's our homepage. It'll show you right there how to donate, uh, you know, garner your tax deduction and feel good about doing the right thing. You're not going to have to take the risk that we take here. I don't say that to be a dick. We, we know it's risky. It's a very risky thing. Uh, I uh, hope that I don't end up or my family ends up dying violently um, the way that we are told we are going to die on a nightly and daily basis. And um, we're doing everything we can to fight against that. Uh, ourselves and our, our own personal protection folks, local law enforcement, our uh, personal protection dogs, um, and um, other supporters that are out there. But uh, this is something that needs to be said and uh, it needs to be advocated for. And I think as, as I said to you before, Cameron, my job as the leader of the Military Religious Freedom Foundation is not, not, not to be the pearl in the oyster. My job is to be the irritant in the oyster that causes the pearl to form. And I think we do that pretty well. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> I know you have to get back to the work. <clears throat> so it's about twice or three times as long as I thought it would, but feels like it went by in five minutes and feels like we're a couple of guys, you know, at a restaurant having drinks so that I, I, I very much appreciate uh, your as uh, it, style and uh, as, as it always does our first conversation was two and a half hours that was supposed to be 15 minutes so <laughs> yeah so that. thank yeah. you thank you for coming on the Cameron Journal podcast I appreciate it that's all for this episode of the Cameron Journal podcast thank you so much for listening Visit us online at CameronJournal.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I love to talk to my followers and listeners, so please feel free to uh, get us on social media at Cameron Cowan on Twitter. And we'll see you next time on the Cameron Journal Podcast.